greetings and good day. What's going on? Welcome to the latest, the greatest, today's edition of uh, of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice. Uh, we're here in the middle of now January, in the middle of January, and still, still nothing has happened. Uh, well, not nothing, some things. Some things are slowly beginning to happen, and uh, we're going to talk about the one thing that happened. Because that's what we do on Birds All Day. We talk about your Toronto Blue Jays. And joining me to do so, as always. Old Reliable. Old Reliable Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm doing all right. Good. Yeah. Good. I understand you're taking in uh, some of the beautiful game there on, on, on a tape delay. <laughs> Literally, as you say that, there's, there's Cavani coming up with a header. That's, that's the third goal, I think, in the first 15 minutes. This, uh, this poor Dijon keeper... Uh, I feel this game's already happened, as you as you know. Uh, he, I think he's in for a rough night. Well, you know those uh, those teams, those teams in the in the second tier leagues that are playing to try to win Champions League. It really makes for a rough time for some of their domestic opposition, who are just fighting for for survival to get some of that sweet sweet Canal uh, money or what? <laughs> canal canal um, plus or something. They, I know they Canal plus. Oh, of course, right, right. They're trying, to, they're, they're trying to share that B in pie. Uh, all right. So, yeah, I don't know. We, we talk about the Blue Jays, birds all day. You can find it on iTunes if you haven't already. Get the, get the spiel, front load the spiel this time. Of course, Patreon. We are Patreon Power Podcast for, and we have been for uh, going on three years now. And uh, so, of course, we want to say send out a big, huge thank you to everyone who's been on board for this ride for that entire time. It's almost exactly three years, isn't it? I Is, think so, it yeah. Around this time of year? I would imagine so. Wild. Yeah. Wild. What's the uh, score? Yeah. What's the score? Yeah, that's the. I still to this day call the every rundown is what's the score episode number whatever we're on, and I just make up the number because it's never ever ever accurate. But uh, but yeah yeah those we we did a few what's the scores and then we changed the name after. Uh, oh no, actually no, it wasn't. I don't think it was. It's not quite three years. It looks like it was March fifteenth. Okay. March, March, uh, yeah, March 2015, March 11th. But anyway. It was a great phone call the, the next morning after that went up. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got I, that. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. You know what I think it's funny? Your fucking stock price. I still have too many. <laughs> <laughs> and we got, we got the big pop. We got a big pop off the top with the, with the name. So Yeah. It's all deadly. Speaking of big pop, Blue Jays made a big pop this week. They, they made a signing. They signed uh, some outfield depth. And they did the outfield depth they signed was in the form of a beloved veteran outfielder, uh, Curtis Granderson. One year, five million bucks. Is that right? Yeah, plus incentives of some sort, apparently. Uh, which is great because the thing about Curtis Granderson is uh, he's fucking awesome. So, no <laughs> downside to this deal. Time to move on, <laughs> on to the next bullet point, right? Uh, yeah. I, 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 as I know you do as well, I love Curtis Granderson. I'm looking forward to watching him as a Blue Jay. I mean, you could tell by the the price tag on the deal that this is not – they're not paying for Curtis Granderson circa 2011 to come around, right? I mean, this isn't their big, splashy addition. But, uh, yeah, it's a real nice pickup. I don't know. Their, their outfield still looks a bit of a mess. Uh, but uh, you could squint a little better and see – uh, how it might work. It would work a lot better with Lorenzo fucking Kane. But um, they needed an outfielder. They needed help against le- uh, right-handed pitching. And Granderson checks both of those boxes. And, yeah, absolutely. He, he, you know, the, the comp I saw, I think I saw you making it, or the one that's been made, is even just, he only has to be better than basically Jose Bautista last year. Right? And, and you hope that, that uh, that some of the other outfielders can improve around him, but again, a one-year deal on a limited term on a player who is um, respected and liked, and you know the kind of player you like to have around. Maybe young players when they're on their way up. Again, you don't want to overstate the emphasis, the, the value of that. But and again, on number another way to look at it: if the Blue Jays, if he's playing well, but the team isn't, that's something that you could maybe get some um, value as a trade piece towards the end of the season. Or uh, maybe he puts it together and it's just another part of the synergy to put together a surprising run. You know, you just never know. There's, there's no, maybe not a lot of variance in his production. But, the, but as the catchphrase goes, he raises the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, that, that, yeah, that, I, really like, I, I like it. I, I mean, I like it in, in the, the vacuum. 
right? I mean, obviously you would rather see Kane and Martinez and maybe somebody else and you displace Pilar, but that's that's just not that's not how off seasons go for generally anybody. Uh, but I mean, just being realistic about where the Blue Jays are, where they want to be, what they have is in terms of resources, uh, you know, what the limitations could be if they, you know, locked in someone beyond one year, you know, that you look at the McCutcheon deal that happened this week and a lot of Jays fans were hoping that maybe he would be the guy that they would look at and he's better for sure. Uh, but against, right, against right-handed pitching, maybe not even, I mean, he, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's sort of a, a pretty slim Thing to <laughs> a, a plank to to walk out on uh, because you do want to you know roster spots matter you want a guy who's better in the overall obviously but uh, mm-hmm. but you know Granderson last year was a better hitter against right-handed pitching than McCutcheon was um, and he can play passable outfield and he didn't cost you the two prospects that the the Giants gave up to get McCutcheon so uh, you know I could see how the team is balancing that it's, it's very much like. Uh, the early years of the Anthopolis regime where people were not appreciating the moves that he would make to, you know, just to, to it's like, hey, we want to maximize the value, the surplus value that we're getting out of deals and we want to make our team better in, uh, you know, in, mm-hmm. in small ways, not necessarily huge splashy ways because we're realistic about what it takes to make a huge splash and what that takes away from our ability to do more when, we have a more realistic chance to be genuine contenders. No, you're absolutely right. And, and I, you mentioned his name earlier as well. The, the, the one Lorenzo Cain that I'm, that I'm caught on. And I think that the, we have to sort of reevaluate how we think about off seasons and the, the kind of timeline of an off season where if you're a Blue Jays fan and you're looking at the calendar and you are thinking about Lorenzo Cain, you're like, well, maybe his price will slip and maybe the Jays can get him for whatever term suits you know, whatever term looks good on paper so that you don't feel as though you're overburdening the uh, the team, whatever. But everyone is in that same place. And you you mentioned the Giants, who, of course, acquired Andrew McCutcheon from the Pirates. You know, uh, the Pirates are obviously stripping it down. They traded their the face of their franchise for the last however many years, eight years. Um, but the Giants are in a position where they could just as easily go get Lorenzo Cain. So, it's, so his, you know, and they, they're not alone. He's a good player that, uh, that teams are going to seek uh, so there's no reason to suggest that that he's going to co- suddenly come cheap, and I think we saw comments from like JD Martinez, who was like he'll he'll miss the start of the year if he has to, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't. He's gonna he's got to get paid. He's gonna get what he needs, and the 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 feckless union has has signed away their signed their lives away, and hopefully the you know in a, in a way that it makes it these middle class ish players. I mean. You know, I, I made I've had some discussions with some people recently just about the nature of this free agent class. And yes, I don't know, maybe collusion is is not is something that you don't want to over accuse, but you never you don't you wouldn't put it past anyone. But I think the other thing the other thing to remember with this free agent class is the players are bad. A lot of the players are shitty, mm-hmm. right? Like the it's not deep. It's not even as deep as last year's. Where I mean, uh, you know, maybe Martinez is probably a more attractive free agent than Evan Encarnacion, but Evan Encarnacion wasn't the second best free agent on the market. And then there were still Justin Turner, and there were still, um, you know, whoever else was out there, um, guys who were really good. Now this year we don't have that, but the point is, the Jays Kane isn't going to fall into the Blue Jays' lap. Mm-hmm. But making the team better, you couldn't, you can't just sit back and and say it's all or nothing. So a signing like Granderson who does give you depth, he does raise the floor, does give you options, it does push some of the other players, the players that you want to see maybe come in and take a job. Maybe if the Blue Jays, if you're the Blue Jays and you're, you you think Anthony Alford's probably going to start the year at Buffalo, but if you blow us away, maybe you, there's a job for you to take, right? And you, you don't want to tell Kevin Pillar that, that he's out of a job, but if it just sort of shakes out that he look around him and there's better players everywhere... Then having Kevin Pillar as your fourth outfielder instead of your starting center fielder, maybe that's a nice luxury to have. Or maybe that's another trade piece that you can move on. Whatever it might be. But having more better players doesn't mean having you're, gonna, you're having only great players, but having more better players around, having more options, having more things that might keep you know Steve Pierce out of the outfield as much as possible, might push you know whoever it might be, Morales, someone else around. Better players make for more options, make for more potential to make the team better. Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a stretch, obviously. 
but I don't know. You look at the teams that were in the World Series, right? Like those are high floor teams. Those are guys where their their bad players are good. You know, those are mm-hmm. team those are teams that did not have Ryan Goins and Darwin Barney, right? And that's what the Blue Jays are going to, you know, move. They're moving towards. <laughs> there's still there's a long way to go yet before this roster mm-hmm. looks like that. And you know, it would you need a time machine and 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 Troy Tulowitzki to step into it. I think for you even to have a hope of that. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean that that's. That is a, uh, there's a reason that, that those teams are doing it that way, even though they have obviously great stars at the top. Uh, mm. Because yeah, every uh, you know every marginal win is is important. Every raising that floor is so you know we saw it firsthand. If you don't believe it after watching fucking Darwin Barney and Ryan Goins and all those catchers and just so many dog shit fucking sub replacement level guys. You know, mm-hmm. just waste last season away as much as as much as it was about a lot of other things about you know Donaldson mm-hmm. not himself and Bautista falling off a cliff and Sanchez injured and Tulowitzki and Travis like there was a lot that went wrong but uh, it would have been certainly one thing less and one easy thing to correct less had they had anything that looked like real depth and they knew that going in and it was it's just it's not easy to do it's been a process and we're seeing that that process continue to evolve and and you know those are the areas where they can make significant upgrades, right? You know, getting Solarte, getting Granderson, uh, waiting for guys like Alfred to develop and, and, and some of the guys, you know, the, the Gurriels and everything. But, uh, you know, it does still leave them wanting for star players, especially when they're paying so much money to the back end of, of Tulo and Martin. But, uh, but yeah, you can't sneer at it. It's just, it is what it is. They're they're always going to, you know, this season was always going to have to rely on the old JP Ricciardi bullshit thing. Like, well, if we catch some breaks, it'll be good. If not, mm-hmm. we'll reset and we'll keep pushing towards the future. Which was you don't have people, to. People hated that, but but I don't know. What else are you going to fucking do? But you don't have to think back, and you can you reference the teams that were in the World Series this year, high floor teams, teams that don't have shitty players. You don't have to go that far back to think about the 2015 Blue Jays, which didn't really have any shitty players. But also, number one, they had a ton of of amazing players putting together great mm-hmm. years. Number two, they had that JP Ricciardi where things go things go their way, where you had you know kind of the very best of Kevin Pillar. You had. Uh, in a way, in its way, the very best of um, of Ryan Goins, mm-hmm. and as such, you ended up with a lineup that did. And, and uh, also worth mentioning, in down the stretch when the team was like appeared to be unbeatable, you had the very best of Ben Revere. You had a lineup that was had no holes whatsoever. So and and before they made those trades, the team was good and the lineup was fearsome. But adding that depth, having the that lack of 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 a abyss in the lineup. It just supercharged the offense such that, as I said, they didn't lose for for three months until, of course, they they did. But I, I feel year, I feel it's safe to say mm-hmm. they had the I feel it's safe to say they had the best of Chris Colabello as well. Oh yeah, Chris Colabello, exactly, exactly. So now you've got options, and you have, and then that's when Justin Smoke or the 2015 version of Justin Smoke is your depth rather than the guy you're relying on, which is what you're kind of looking at right now. But you've also got. A little bit of depth even around that. So if Justin Smoke of 2015 returns unexpectedly or, you know, unwelcomely in 2018, you've got options. You've got Pearson, you've got Morales, who you hope might be a little bit better, whatever it might be. But, uh, but yeah, you don't have to go very back to see the value of depth and the value of having strength. And that, as the, the kind of cliche about lengthening, lengthening the lineup and uh, adding players like Granderson. And if it might be to push, push younger players or, Again, just provide options, provide depth because you still got you still got Ezekiel Carrera kicking around, and uh, again, he's not a he's not a great player. But I think you you and I and many fans like us have kind of resigned ourselves to the fact that he is a useful. Uh, he has he's a player with with use with utility, and uh, but it's good to have guys who are better than him, so you don't have to rely on him to do more than you could ever uh, be expected to provide. Well, that is an right. interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the Carrera thing and Carrera and Granderson being your left-handed corner outfielders uh, could be worse if you're, you know, considering that platoon situation, right? And I think that that's, uh, you know, I wrote in the mailbag advice uh, that came out here today on Thursday, and there was a lot of talk on Wednesday night about, you know, what the Blue Jays do with the outfield. And I, I think I tweeted that an unpopular opinion. I don't mind if they 
start looking harder at pitchers because, you know, for one reason, you know, Estrada and Hap are free agents at the end of this year. They don't really have a fifth starter to begin with. So maybe signing a guy with some term that can help them be, you know, not terrible next year would be something that makes sense. And, and I do that thinking that, you know, it, it's going to be as dumb as it sounds. I mean, Carrera's had like a 123 weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching last year, which is stupid. And it's, you don't expect him to repeat that, but I, I it's not nothing. It's certainly not. It's, it's a long way from nothing. And, and it almost, I, I don't know where you put it. I think his projection overall is for like 85 weighted runs created plus uh, as an overall hitter, which is, is certainly, uh, I'd bet on that before I bet on fucking 123 in that split. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I, I have been burned by discounting Ezekiel Carrera before, uh, which is also no reason to, to think that he's going to be good. But it it sets the bar at a, at a point where I'm almost not interested in, if it's not Lorenzo Cain, like I, like does, does, do any of the cargos do anything for anybody? Do any of the other, you know, Martinez obviously isn't going to happen. Kane, I think would be a great fit, but beyond that, I don't know. I, I, I don't see the name out there in terms of the free agent outfielder. That's going to displace Carrera as a, against right-handers Pierce against left-handers. I mean, Pierce is no fucking outfielder, but he is a lefty master supposedly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if he's not, you have uh, Teoscar Hernandez, right? Who, uh, it's hard to tell what he's going to be, but he's a right-handed hitter who did very well in that split as well. And and mm-hmm. if Pierce suddenly disappears, he could quite easily take the the Pierce role. So it, it uh, it's weird. It's like the Granderson move has added a piece to the puzzle that helps them paper over the many flaws of the that group out there, uh, almost to the point where yeah, you you need it to be a Kane or a Martinez to come in or some, you know, a Yelich if you can make a big trade like that or someone with like mm-hmm. someone with real value. Like there's just such dog shit that's out there. I mean, they're out there. Jose Bautista's out there for somebody to take. Uh, but God, I, do, I you know, I, I, I'm okay with them staying with this group, I think, which is fucked because it's not that good. Welcome to uh, Tunichi Dragons all day as we're talking about the potential <laughs> signing of Jose Bautista. <laughs> Uh, I, I think the other angle, then the la- probably the last thing we'll say about Curtis Granderson is if you have a team that is probably not going to be a uh, a contender, you know, the odds of them not you know fighting for a playoff spot are probably greater than the odds that they that they do. Again, not to sell the team short, but it's nice having guys you can root for around, right? Guys mm-hmm. who are not going to go out there and embarrass themselves for one. And two that are just sort of like fun guys to cheer for. I mean, it's no it's no substitute for a, a good team, but I'd rather it, you know, have the Jays sign Curtis Granderson than somebody who isn't Curtis Granderson, for lack of a better term. Someone yeah. who doesn't have personality, doesn't have the history. Uh, as a fan, it's it it can only enhance the experience because again, if you're listening to this, if you and I are talking about it, like we're stuck, we're not going anywhere. So it's not like, well, they signed Granderson, I'm done. I'm gonna. I'll go buy uh, TFC season tickets for the yeah. year. You know, it's that's not going to happen. We're still we're going to watch. So, if it's Granderson, um, if it's you know, I could get behind the idea of watching Granderson, uh, you know, be a veteran. Well, if it's Teoscar Hernandez and Anthony Alford, uh, who are finding their way, and if it's you know, you kind of take the ups and downs and have those great the great nights and the great games or the month where he hit runs into everything and hits a hundred home runs while striking out forty percent of the time. That's uh, part of the experience too. So I can get I can wrap my head around that a bit more than watching Steve Pierce game. Like again, a real gamer. Steve Pierce, no one would ever accuse him of dogging it. He was out there, you know, just giving it his all in that field. He he's a pro, right? He's a pro. He's a hits like a, he turns in professional at bats, and uh, but it's not very inspiring. I think no. is probably how I would describe it. And you know, you you mentioned Granderson as a clubhouse presence before, which is something you know we don't usually. Uh, get into, uh, but but it is interesting to see that that's the way that they moved. That they talked about CC Sabathia as a guy that they were looking at who could potentially, you know, be a leader, a mentor. Uh, I think that's very much what Kendrys Morales was you know, an appeal uh, to him as well. You know, he has he gets high marks for that, and it's something that uh, this is going to be a little too cynical on my part, but it's something that you know had the had the guys in the front office had you know a more 
uh, more laudable passport, they they might they they might get more credit for from a certain segment of fans for the fact that they really do seem to buy into that idea that that uh, you know you want these good people you want these role modelish guys which is something that as you know uh, someone from the from the stats based community I guess for lack of a better word for it for years you know. Uh, spent years being like, yeah, but he's dog shit, and you want <laughs> you you want to have the player with the with the stats. When it was going to, when the argument was a little bit different, I think when it was like, no, he's his, he's got RBIs and he's a winner. You know, that's different than being like, okay, he still has utility as a player. Now we're sort mm-hmm. of using other differentiators, and and this is what sets him above. You know, maybe somebody mm-hmm. who has a similar profile but doesn't get the same high marks in that regard. Uh, and I, I think that's something. Well, it's that a, it's a value something add, they really, right? Yeah, I think it's something that they really believe in too. You know, as the quote unquote like player development organization, and is, and I, I think that's what they, I, that's what they're going for there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to help a lot of people believe in their ability to contend this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think it, it's something that perhaps with a little more time, people will appreciate that 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 is, you know, what they're what they're looking to do to help their young players come up and become good big leaguers. And I, I, you know, I, it's hard to, it's hard to know what they really, really think about, you know, the, the hard reset, soft reset stuff and, and the, uh, the, the rebuild stuff, because, you know, they've said, they've given us some odd messages, obviously, um, as, uh, you know, conflicting with their actions, certainly, <laughs> you know, Shapiro was saying, Oh, we'd have done it a year mm-hmm. ago, if not for the fans. But, uh, the idea of stripping, you know, they've they've also talked about, um, you know, you want a mix of veterans and young players, and you know, you can, you don't want to go too much away from that balance. And I think that they've thought that they've been, you know, too old, obviously, for the last you know couple of years. But I think they are also cognizant of the fact that as the team starts to get younger, they are going to want guys like that in the mix to help your Vlads, to help your Bobichets, to help guys you know, learn how to become professionals and learn how to, you know, the way the framework we usually sort of talk about it in is learn how to maximize your dollar, learn, how, learn you know, and... Yeah, learn how to get paid. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's there certainly, there certainly more value than that in that than I uh, once would have ever acknowledged. Uh, I don't think it's the, you know, the be-all, end-all that sometimes people in the old days would have painted it. I keep saying that because I don't want to back down entirely from what I used to think about it. But it, but it is certainly <laughs> it is certainly uh, interesting that they are going that way, and uh, and I think they would be getting more credit for it uh, were they different people. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I feel like it's definitely it's a it's something that has to be regarded as a value add. It's something that uh, can enhance. Uh, one player versus another if the skills are all but comparable again you, you don't know what you're going to get it's not plug and play these they're not lego mm-hmm. right you don't know exactly what curtis granderson's going to give you at age whatever 36 coming in but you have an idea and if there's a guy who is in a similar boat but you don't have the same kind of uh feel for his uh vibe you don't have the same you know he's maybe less likely to accept a part-time role he's maybe less interested in being a mentor he's maybe less interested in coming to canada whatever it might be when you have those different kind of players or you have a player that that lines up a bit more with your goals absolutely and and i and i definitely think that's sort of an evolution of the stats uh the what we talk about the stats mindset where before it was like nope this is what they are and players are who they are which which is true you know guys have their skill baselines and guys have their abilities that we have an understanding of what they might be in the difference between you know the 50th percentile you know expectation and the 98th percentile but at the same time a lot of those that people they've had to evolve those those views because they've been kind of shown to be you know ghoulish and and not a reflection of the world in which you know the baseball operates mm-hmm. so it's i think i think taking in more information soft information as it might be is uh, is never a bad thing. They are people, and I, I'm going to say I'm going to segue now. Sorry, do you have something else you want to add? <laughs> I was going to go down a, a bad path, so you can go ahead. Okay, well, I was going to move on. <laughs> they are people, and the one I wanted to talk real quick about Marco Estrada. Mm-hmm. So they are people, and everyone knows the kind of talent uh, that Marco Estrada uh, uh, possesses, and and he has shown his ability to 
outperform certain kinds of metrics, you know, over the years stuff. We've been over 100 times. Marco Estrada, weak contact, high, soft fly balls, whatever else. But then Marco Estrada ran into a real rough patch in 2017 in particular. Uh, and then he sort of got himself sorted out. And the story that I think it was John Morosi they had on uh, MLB.com or on MLB Radio was, and Marco Estrada said it himself, that he was having a hard time sleeping. He wasn't sleeping at night because of um, because of stress and anxiety about being traded, about his about performance in the team and whatever. Again, he's a person. He's not sleeping at night. Then he goes out and he sucks at his job, like most of us, because we stay up too late watching the fucking Tom Segura stand-up co- uh, specials when you should just be going to bed. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're at work in the morning and you're exhausted. But but uh, but no, I mean, I, it's always refreshing to see that, to get a, to get a look and to have that thing like, oh, yeah, a person, a real guy who goes through real guy stuff, like real people stuff mm-hmm. that involves like, like not sleeping or having anxiety or doing whatever it is. And, and again, we saw that with Roberto Asuna last year. And uh, they're people. They're people. Yeah. No, There's nothing else. It was nice to see him there. talk about it, and then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, hopefully that bodes well for his performance going forward. I mean, I don't know anybody who's watched the Blue Jays over the last three years. I mean, got all the time in the world for Marco Estrada. Oh, Neymar, that was a nice free kick. Unnecessary, <laughs> unnecessary, my my man. <laughs> but no, anybody who's watched Marco Estrada over the last three, four years. I mean, he's just he. <laughs> He's like he's a treat to watch. He's like right-handed Cliff Lee. Like he, when he's on, when his back is right again. And I'm sure that if you have a, if you have a stiff or, or bad back, even though you're you're you might be healthy, not sleeping is not good. good not going to be good no. for your bad back, right? Like, am I crazy? You're not. Uh, the other thing about Marco Strada, and I joked about it on Twitter, but like, it's stupid that marijuana is illegal or banned in baseball <laughs> because if ever anyone in the entire history of the world needed. It, it was the guy described in the Marco Estrada story. Well, this is the right. Thing. I, it's not banned. It's banned for minor leaguers. Big leaguers can smoke oh. all the weed they want. Well, then I hope that he does. Yeah. I hope he <laughs> yeah. smokes that good shit that does not give a fuck. Um, yeah, they don't because test it for big seems leaguers. like it would be perfect. Hmm? They don't test for big leaguers. I don't know. I mean, you want to get you want to get some of that CBD shit. You don't want to have the too high a THC content. I find that that can maybe cause a little bit of anxiety, but. Uh, uh, you know, you know, you get your indicas and you get your sativas. You really have to have to choose which one is correct for you. I think. I think that um, <laughs> there's probably a copy of High Times magazine floating around the Blue Jays clubhouse <laughs> at some point. But no, this, this well, is they, true. Were they, I mean, were they left over from Colby Rasmus and Anthony Gose? Yikes! That's what Let I heard. I heard, were, that... I heard they were smoking a bunch of weed. That's all. Who wouldn't? Who doesn't? I mean, like, I, I don't. But that's not the point here. Mm-hmm. The point is, I'm, I stand corrected, and I'm glad that it's not in the JDA. Um, because it's not going to be a detriment to, as far as I can believe, it's not a detriment to his performance. And it's also... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not a detriment. This thing that we have no idea right. whether he did or not. Yeah. I had no reason to believe that he did because, but yeah, no. I have no reason to believe that he did, other than the fact that he said, the, the, again, as I said, the the person described in that article is like that would be like the perfect case for someone to do that to deal with that, those those feelings of stress to dealing with that uh, inability to sleep. And as you said, you know, you got to get the right strain, got to get the mellow, got to get that, got to get the don't get the loud, Marco Estrada. Well, sometimes it can, gonna... it can it can enhance anxiety, you know? You just, you mm-hmm. gotta, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, you always got to know your dealer. Uh, which apparently now which is, is, is the government and everybody. No, it's it's not the government as much as it's like uh, hedge fund douchebags. Yeah. Like, it's it's like big VC. That's who runs it all. But anyway. Uh, yeah, way to go, Marco. Oh, another thing I want to talk about. Speaking of um, uh, going up in flames... Uh, the Blue Jays season is going up in flames because of Al Albuquerque. So you see, uh, signing Al Albuquerque is uh, is a sign of weakness. Frankly, minor league deals they they touch, they show you who they show you real colors. And if you're not <laughs> signing Lorenzo Cain to a minor league deal, what kind of uh, joint are you running out there? Right. I mean, the Yankees get Giancarlo Stanton, and this is how you fucking respond. 
I mean, no, <laughs> no wonder you haven't made the playoffs in fucking 20 years. I mean, except for uh, those two times when you did, but. Thanks to like minor league signings like Chris Colabello. Mm-hmm. Was he a minor league signing? Or did they sign him to a full? Anyway, he, he that's was, not the He point. was with the, the Twins. Point, well, they, the they claimed him off waivers, I believe, from the Twins. Right, right. That's right. Um, but yeah, no, Al Albuquerque, Al Albuquerque is a name that people know because his name is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And he used to throw like 100 miles an hour. And I think he throw, still throws hard, but not quite as hard. Yeah, we, we confuse uh, but, him often with Joel Zumaya, I believe. Joel Zumaya, who injured his arm playing Guitar Hero, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, he, did, he, he was one of those young, hard-throwing guys at the Tigers' bullpen, but that because they're the Tigers, they couldn't develop anything. They just have to go and buy it. Uh, the Dombrowski curse. Uh, I wonder, I'd, I'd but, hate to be the next It was the to, takes. There were takes. There were Al Albuquerque takes that came out. You mentioned uh, a guy who writes for the Toronto Sun who decided that he was going to take issues digging in because he's not, not going to be a pushover. He's not, he, there's no pom-poms on this guy. <laughs> he's going in, and he will never stop going in on signings like Al Albuquerque. While he doesn't stop going in on Al Albuquerque, <laughs> let me tell you about what this guy does. I'm not going to mention his name. I don't need to call him out. I need to call him something that he did out because it was too hilarious to me to even be real. Yeah. So you and I were talking about this off air, and I went to his Twitter account because the fuck am I going to follow this guy on uh, Twitter.com? And his account is a fucking minefield, of course. And it's, uh, he's getting all defensive in his replies. He got the rare 500 up ratio, which was five replies, zero retweets, zero favorites on his Al Albuquerque take, which is really tough to do. But then I was just kind of poking around, and I saw an image that he had shared, uh, this writer. And it was an image, it was a race form from Woodbine. Now, I'm not here to judge how people spend their time. To me, it's a little bit funny. That this guy takes took a shot of the race form when he was there watching the ponies uh, early late last late in 2017. Um, you, I know you enjoy a, a, a nice day at the track. Nothing against the ponies whatsoever. Love a good day at the no. at the ponies. I'm more of an OTB <laughs> kind of guy myself, but fair enough. I think that part was assumed uh, that like. The, <laughs> but anyway, our hero is out out at the out at the track. And he's putting some money down on the uh, the sport of kings, and so I'm like, oh look, he 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 tweeted out a race form. That to me is hilarious. But then I looked a little bit more closely because that's what you got to do. That's what me. See, he's a reporter. I'm a reporter. You got to look closely, and you noticed that he didn't send that race form out to his I don't know two dozen followers. He sent it at somebody specifically. He tweeted this race form at Steve Clark. Sheriff Clark, I should say. Sheriff Clark, that maniac with the fucking G.I. Joe outfit with the, and the goofy hat, who is not sane. Uh, I, I don't need to really get into Sheriff Clark's backstory, but I could, because he is, uh, it's just sad. Former American law enforcement who was the sheriff of Milwaukee County, um, it's, it's just a, he's a sickening human being, quite frankly. This writer tweets at Sheriff Clark because one of the horses in the race was named... Sheriff Clark. And I'm sure that this poor sap <laughs> just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I know I do. Not that, that the horse was named Sheriff Clark, but that he, he saw that and was like, hey, sorry, David Clark, whose Wikipedia entry lists him has as an American sheriff. <laughs> he is an American sheriff. We tweeted at. I just want to know. I, I just want to know if the horse also wears fake medals. I think that, did the horse <laughs> get honored for valor in other horse wars that didn't exist? That he, he just walks around with them on this fucking on his fucking GI Joe outfit that he wears. Well, they call the they, they call the Kentucky Derby the Run for the Roses when they put like that kind of bed that that coat of roses on the on the horse. This guy had like a that horse Sheriff Clark horse wears like a bed of fake plastic carnations and just wanders around the stable in it. Like, yeah, yeah I won the Kentucky Derby, motherfucker. What are you gonna do? All right, well, that's enough of this. Let's move on. Yeah, please, let's. Uh, the one more thing I, 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 we, we, touched, we talked about a little bit, and, and I think, you know, the Andrew McCutcheon deal. So I think the price was probably a lot less than most people expected to mm-hmm. see the Pirates uh, fetch for Andrew McCutcheon. And naturally, if you're the Blue Jays and you were looking for offensive or you're looking for upgrades in the outfield, obviously McCutcheon does that. Um, the Giants have already said that they're not going to play him 
in center field. They told him he's going to be a corner. Probably going to play um, right with Hunter Pence in left, which is a little odd. Andrew McCutcheon does not have a great throwing arm, and Triple Zally kind of demands it, but we digress. The question, inevitably, and, and I think you addressed it in your piece, was like, could the Jays not have matched that deal? Mm-hmm. Uh, to you, what, like, to, what, what do you say to that, number one? Could the Jays not have matched that deal? <laughs> of course the Jays could have matched that deal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. A- a- any team can match just about any deal, really. I mean, teams don't make deals that other teams can't match. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a question of how much did they want it? How much did, I, and it, I, I could be wrong, but the fact that the Granderson signing happened, you know, or was broke in terms of uh, news a few hours after the McCutcheon deal, maybe suggests that they, the, those were guys that they're, you know, they were looking at the price of what to do and just, and, and perhaps we're in on McCutcheon and decided, no, we like the alternative with Granderson. It's going to be less money on our books. We can do something else. It's not going to cost us prospects, but we're not going to get quite as good a player for this part, but for this, you know, uh, role and and maybe thought of it that way. I mean, I in my piece, I was generous. I think to the to the the prospects that the Pirates got back and said, okay, you know, Joe Biagini, Teoscar Hernandez, that could have beaten that that package. Those are guys who sort of have some similar qualities. Have I I I, I think that would have beaten that. I'd like to believe it would have beaten it by quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, once you start going down the chain of what the Blue Jays have available to them and swapping out a Biagini or a Hernandez for, uh, you know, a, a J.D. Davis or a, or a Connor Green or whatever, whatever it's going to be, uh, then maybe you didn't beat the, pack, the package. It depends what, you know, Pittsburgh thinks of Crick. Like, they, I think, obviously think that Ray Searage could do something mm-hmm. with him. So he's a, an asset to, him, to them more than they might, you know, something that the Jays could offer might be. So... You know, I, I felt that that's why I, that's why I wrote Biagini and Hernandez. That's obvious, but that's obviously you know in a, a skewing in a way to be like, yes, yeah, it's, it's not a nothing price. It's not a great price. It's not a price where on the other end of things you're like, oh, the Jays should definitely trade Josh Donaldson because if McCutcheon gets that, well, think of what they could get. It's like that, that's actually, you know, it doesn't make you salivate over a, a Blue Jays trade of Donaldson. But uh, but yeah, I, I think those were, you know, they got they they did okay. They did okay. The Jays could have beaten it, but I understand why they wouldn't have if those were the kinds of guys you're talking about. Um, and mm-hmm. when they have an alternative, which is what they're doing, right? I mean, they're playing the market this way. There are still so many alternatives, and they, they can look at what the price gets to for McCutcheon and decide if they want to beat it or if they think that they can take another path. And on this one, I think it looks like they they decided, okay, we can just sign Granderson. And instead of paying, having $14 million on the books, we have $5 million, and then we can... And then we keep those prospects. We can maybe trade them for something else and take some money. And and they would tell you, I mean, they got to put their fucking money where their mouth is, but they would tell you that they're going to still continue to upgrade, right? I mean, I think that they they clearly intend to. I, I hope that they clearly intend to. I don't think anybody should think that they aren't going to clearly, in, you know, intend to. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's what that was, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I th- I think. I think well, number one, I think you're being a little bit charitable to Joe Biagini, right? Like, I, would you rather Crick than Biagini? Yes. Really? Yes, really? I would. Yeah, I really would. Um, I think there's still. I mean, while Crick Crick was a former top 100, 100 prospect who had fallen out, he got as high as he was in the 30s, like mm-hmm. in the in the top 100 in Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, whatever. Uh, they all sort of evaluated him in a pretty similar. Fashion, and then he uh, he was not good in twenty fifteen, and he sort of fell out of uh, fell out of favor in terms of in prospect circles as he got aged, and he went through double A again. But I mean, I still I think played, that, I think it was like three full seasons at double A because he can't stop walking guys. Well, I guess he's he's got it a yeah, little yeah. bit under control now. But and then he was better in twenty sixteen. Then he was even better last year, and he came to the big leagues, and yeah, again walks a lot of guys still. But like, and and this sort of. You know, I, I, I figured we'd start this, and then could, we could maybe get into Biagini. But like, I, you, you, there was some discussion going on this week about you know the Jays still want to take go to camp with Biagini as a starter, and I'm like, man, I don't get that <laughs> impulse. Yeah, Shy said that. I right? Shy said that that's he, he thinks that that's what the Blue Jays want, intend. I don't get that. I, I don't. I mean, he knows he knows the team way better than me, but 
I have yet to get that sense. I think they want to trade for another starter or at least figure something out. Like, I mean, I think you I think you have to. I I, I don't know. I, I, Ross Atkins had a had a nice interview with Ryan DeFrancesco, who does stuff for BlueJaysNation.com this week, said, you know, there's going to be a good story among Taylor Guerrero, uh, Tom Pannone, Ryan Barucki, the guys who are going to be in Buffalo. Uh, but still... It just—it would feel so much better to have someone between between Joe Biagini and that fucking rotation that maybe you could use, like, as I saw you say on Twitter, like maybe you use Biagini as a uh, as a two inning reliever. He was great as a reliever. He was, and and maybe that's that's too um, results oriented of me, and that he was good at that, so he'll be good at that again. But there's just not a lot. As, uh, there's nothing that I saw that Biagini showed as a starter that like inspired me to ever want to see it again. Frankly, mm-hmm. um, I don't know that he had a lot of good starts. Um, I mean, again, maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering it incorrectly, but I just he was just not he was not good, good. enough at no. that job last year. I just don't see the. Uh, I, I and again, that's why small, I'm not an evaluator. Small sample size, hmm? Drew. Small sample size. Small sample size, sure, but like. <laughs> you know, I, the thing that he I was can, real bad the thing stre- I, once they stretched him out. I forget what it was. I'll have to look it up. But the thing that I keep coming back to is that I think it was Josh Housem at uh, BP Toronto had a thing about why Biagini should start about a year ago this mm-hmm. time, which was focused on his arsenal and looked at, you know, here, you know, he's got a starter's arsenal. All these pitches work for him. This is this is a guy who it does make sense. You know, he can mix it up enough to to go through a lineup multiple times and not just be limited to being a reliever. Uh and I, for, I forget what it was. This is, one of his pitches was went away from him, as I recall. I'd have to look into his, mm. you know, dig it. But it just, you know, reading at the end of last season or looking at what he, what he did, at, you know, at the end of last season and comparing it to what Josh had written about the the Arsenal coming into the year was like, oh, this didn't this this didn't work out the way it should have. You know, he was some, there, but I, you know, but have it not having it in front of me makes it difficult to say what it was, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, it it perhaps it perhaps suggests that there still could be more there that he could maybe figure out what made it so appealing in the first place uh, to have him as a starter because I, I I did I did get that at the time um, that it does it, he does he can he should have the right he should have a pitch a pitch mix that works as a starter uh, but yeah the results were ugly I don't know I would surely is not surely not be going and fucking rushing into making him a starter and avoiding signing an Alex Cobb, avoiding signing a Lance Lynn or, you know, more realistically, any, literally anybody else. I would love to see the Blue Jays sign somebody uh, to go in between Biagini and the rotation, like I said. But uh, if they see something in him, that's I, I think that's what that is. And I, I don't know, it's maybe the, the sample size thing. Maybe we just haven't seen enough of him. I think, as I recall, he had good. He had some really good starts off the start, and then it kind of went to shit on him. Hmm. I mean, I just see a guy, and again, maybe I think maybe it's just that, like, maybe there's a misreading of his stuff. Maybe the 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 the, the pitch that um, we are see, maybe like maybe on the outside we're seeing something different than than what batters are seeing, frankly, because when I look at uh, the numbers I see a guy who just like really, really, really struggled to get people out a second time, and you know they talk about the third time through the order penalty, where um, you know Biagini didn't have that many opportunities to face people a third time. So almost, I'm almost willing to throw those numbers away, even though they when they were that much better than the second time, just because for him to have gotten to that point in the game was un, was somewhat unusual, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, where where. You know, you look at his numbers as a reliever, and you look at his numbers facing guys for the first time, and they're 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 fine. They're definitely serviceable, and, and he just gives another option. And there's nothing about the game of baseball now, and nothing about, um, you know, between Sanchez and whoever else, uh, and then the guys that you mentioned before, the Baraki and Guriel or uh, Guerreri. You know, you're going to need someone to soak up some innings from time to time, and I I love him in that role, and I. If if they don't, sure. If they want to give him another shot, start sure. But um, I can't help but feel like he'll probably end up back in that role just because I just don't. I don't like him as a starter. It's not well, my. Uh, 
the other thing is, I mean, you know, Shah is saying this and he's saying that that's, he's getting that sense, but also, you know, what happened with CC Sabathia then, right? Like, I mean, the Jays clearly had some interest there. Mm-hmm. They, they talked pretty clearly about that. Uh, they certainly know that Aaron Sanchez isn't out of the woods in terms of the blister issue. I mean, I think, uh, I think just as we're speaking about it in my mind, I'm like, well, I wonder, you know, I don't, I don't, don't, I don't doubt Shai's reporting or his, you know, uh, integrity on it. But I wonder if, if what he's hearing is, is the true feeling. I don't know. I I don't know. I hate, Mm -hmm. I I don't Mm -hmm. like to say that. I don't want to question anybody, especially someone as good as him, but, uh, but it shouldn't be because, <laughs> yeah, no, they should not think that. They should not think that Biagini is good enough uh, because, like, I, you know, with Aaron Sanchez being as uh, being somewhat of a question mark, you you just you need another pitcher. You can't you can never have enough of these fucking guys. And the fact that Biagini has options means that, you know, sorry, pitch your way onto the team from Buffalo. Right. I mean, I would I would think mm-hmm. that that's what they would want him to do more than. Uh, really being determined because we see that in other spots. You know, man, they could hand the fucking keys to center field to Anthony Alford if they wanted to go with someone who's never shown any ability at the big league level to to be what they think he can be. Uh, you know, and uh, but they're not going to do that. They're going to make him hit his way onto the team and make Kevin Pillar, you know, prove that he can't hit his way out of being really just a great defensive center fielder who can't hit. Um, mm-hmm. And so that would be odd, I guess, to me that they would do that in one area and not in another where they're just like, oh, yeah, we're just going to hand this guy this job and there's not much of a safety net here. Seems like that's what they're working against, right? That's what they're trying to avoid. Yeah, that seems like the, that is literally exactly what they're trying to avoid all over the diamond and all over the you know rotation and everywhere, right? Like that's... You don't... It, Teoscar, Alfred, go down the list of the guys who are, you know, they. it's not like Anthopolis where you get to double A and you're knocking on the door of the big leagues. It's like they want them to progress through New Hampshire, go to Buffalo, and then tell them when they're ready, when they need to be brought up and they're done with triple A and hit their way onto the team, pitch their way onto the team and are not bothered by having impediments there. You know, not wanting to, rather than handing kids jobs, they want to have guys in place where, hey, it's a good problem if we have two players who both deserve this role and we'll figure it out. Awesome. All right, that's it. We've gone on long enough. Hopefully, I'm sure that some of the things that we want about, no one will ever hear. Uh, anything <laughs> well, am else? I gonna, to, am I going to edit out the LeBron part? No. There, there'll be something. I'm sure we'll edit out something. Maybe we'll edit out the buffery part. God only knows. Uh, what do you got going on? You got uh, you had mailbag up advice, and you got you'll have something for for the athletic uh, this week as well. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the athletic I, I making wanna... big moves. They are. I hope that, I, I hope Keegan's just... going there. I don't know if they. Uh... I know Keegan said he's going to do something, which is. Uh... Keegan Matheson, interesting. Yeah, it sounded like he had some good news that he's not ready to say yet. I know nothing. But uh, no matter where he goes, he'll be an asset. That's it's a, it's a fucking hardworking guy who uh, knows his stuff. Well, they made big hires across. Like they, Mark Carrig is going to do the Yankees yeah. for the Athletic. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, uh, Trent Rosencrantz is going to cover the Reds for the Athletic. He's amazing. He's one of the best beat writers in the oh, game. Yeah. That is the uh, um, that is the Inquirer's loss. Inquirer. That is the Inquirer's loss. And, in I in in E and anyway Cincinnati Inquirer. I I used uh, to be I used to be really really good at like you name me a, a fucking town I'll tell you the name of their paper. I used to be outstanding this, at that. Nowadays I can't, I just can't do it. God bless my old I Google page. So I don't know if anybody remembers. <laughs> I I Google was like an equivalent of the, of the Google Reader, and I had a whole page set up. I had like organized by division. I had. Beads from every beat writer in the in the in, in every city, uh, from like every other paper. You know the Tampa, uh, the Tampa Tribune. That's the Tribune, yeah. That's the Tribune. Yeah, the, there's also the Tampa Bay Times, but there's also the Tribune. Yeah, I think it was the Tampa Bay Times that was was the one that I had, and then uh, and now a lot half those places are gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Half those places are gone. Cool. Um, that's, that's cool that they're working for the Athletic. I mean, Jesus. 
Now it's on the public record that I'm supposed to have something done. I've been trying to do it all week. I can't fucking. Well, there you go. The pressure that you need, as well as editing this podcast that we didn't start too late because I was walked in fucking green room for the 100th time, yeah, well, uh, waiting for the laundry to finish. But um, all right, that's it. Well, thank you, everybody. <laughs> we're going to do, of course, super bad uh, coming up. Uh, super bad. Stoughton and I, we're going to fix uh, free agency. We're going to fix the whole thing. Nah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about our ideas and and some of the you know things from like the Jeff Passan piece. Passing Passan, I always do that. Uh, just about the kind of stalemate and the state, the shape of things. So I think we'll talk about that a little bit. What that means to the Blue Jays again? Are there opportunities, or or is this kind of the the are the players going to be willing to wait it out, such that you know again, there's no Lorenzo Cain that's going to fall into the Blue Jays' lap because everyone's waiting for him to fall into the lap, and it's just going to keep the price up. It's just going to take a little bit long. So we're going to talk about that on Super Bad, and uh, and that's it. Of course, Reed Stoughton at uh, at Blue Jays Nation. Oh, uh, also, say hi if you're at uh, Winterfest. Oh, yeah, there you go, the 20th. That's next, that's Saturday, right? That's Saturday, a couple days from now. By the time people are listening to it, it's going to be t- tomorrow. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, say hi to Stoughton if you're at Winterfest. The week after, if you're at uh, Hot Water Music, say hi to me. Cause that's, where I, that's where I'm going to go and see Hot Water Music and uh, the Flatliners. Because I'm an old man. It's going to be awesome. Nice. I'm excited. Uh, so that's it for this edition of, uh, of Birds All Day. We'll talk to you next time.